Good morning. It's great to see you guys here today and uh, super excited about next Sunday as we start a brand new sermon series that we're calling Make It Count. And so I hope that you'll be here and be excited. I think this series is going to be a game changer for our church. It's going to be a game changer for many of you as we ask this serious question, how can we really make our life count? That's a fundamental question that we all need to wrestle with. And so I'm excited to dive into that and uh, share a lot of new initiatives and new ministries that that as a church we're gonna be starting. And uh, so uh, it's, a, it's very kind of a, a, this God-sized vision of starting things and doing things we've never done before. And we need everybody uh, to pray about it and to be engaged. And uh, every December we come to our annual vision offering and excited about how the Lord is gonna use that and, and uh, fuel this vision. So uh, that all starts next uh, week. So I hope you'll be here. Today is, is week five and the final sermon in uh, this series that we've called we the people. And so we've been praying for our country together for the last uh, 20 days. To, uh, we, we've got a couple more days, I think, in the 21 days of prayer. Uh, hopefully you're praying and following along with that. I, I know God is going to honor our prayers. And uh, in this series, we've been talking about a few political issues that, that we as a church face as citizens of heaven, living as citizens uh, in the United States. And so we've been talking about how we engage as the people of God in the politics of America. And of course, we can't cover everything in one series. There are so many uh, issues and topics we could cover, but we felt good about the, the topics that we did cover. And, and uh, I'm, I'm convinced that as Christians, uh, moving forward in our country that, that we must get engaged in the political arena uh, as Christians. And so uh, if we choose to continue uh, to disengage from politics, then there's no doubt in my mind uh, all of the fears that are looming about the the, the, the loss of freedom of speech and freedom of religion and some of the other things that we've talked about is no doubt going to be lost. And so uh, in this series, my hope, my goal is that you would really have a more robust worldview, a, a biblical worldview, uh, and, and, and view these issues and, and uh, topics in light of God's word. And so um, I'm hopeful that maybe just a little bit You've been encouraged to engage, like some of you, uh, maybe more so than you were before the series, uh, that you're, you're going to engage a little bit more, maybe, maybe even give and donate to some politicians that have a similar biblical worldview, maybe uh, financially, maybe uh, there are some young people that uh, they're starting to consider maybe going into politics, maybe Maybe even some uh, uh, those that might go into uh, law and study that. Some some maybe history teachers, which we need in the in in, in our local schools. I, I was reading uh, with my daughter. Uh, she's a freshman. We were going over some of the history that she had as homework, and I was reading some of the things that were in there, and I was floored. Floored. I've been studying history for years now and some statements that were made in that book that later I Googled and researched and, and, and I'd never heard some of the things that had been mentioned. And sure enough, they were recent developments, history being reworked, and uh, it's, it's very um, upsetting. And so I hope that you have been more inspired uh, to engage. And so uh, I, I, I want us to remember that our hope is in the gospel. And as Paul says, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so there is power in the gospel. And so we don't timidly and haphazardly share the truth of the word of God. 
we boldly proclaim and unashamedly because we know the power that is behind it. Amen? You guys with me today? Hello? All right, I hope you're ready. Um, today, uh, we wanna ask this question. I, I wanted to ask this question. I thought it'd be helpful to, to ask the question, uh, can God really be trusted no matter what? In fact, can, can we trust that God is in control of this election and no matter who wins on Tuesday, we're gonna be okay? That's the question I want us to wrestle with today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to the book of Habakkuk chapter three. And uh, the easiest way to find that is to go to the Gospel of Matthew and take a left slowly, and then you will eventually get to the small uh, but powerful prophet Habakkuk. Um, if you didn't know, the election is on Tuesday, if you've been living under a rock. Um, and a lot of people are really anxious about this, aren't they? A lot of you are, are, are probably a little bit anxious about this election. It's gonna be a crazy week. And I think no matter who wins, there are gonna be some protests and riots and it could get uh, really crazy. They, they say that we're probably not even gonna know who wins on Tuesday night. It's probably gonna be a day or two or maybe even weeks. And so uh, we're in for more of a circus, uh, I think, in the days ahead. And of course, this makes us nervous. And so a lot of us are asking uh, what happens if the guy that we voted for doesn't win? Can we trust God no matter what happens? And of course, both political parties are using fear and everywhere you're, you're seeing fear. And uh, we, we tend to eat this up, man, and, and uh, it, it can really dive deep within our soul. It makes us nervous and it can easily take over. And so that's why I thought it'd be helpful to look at Habakkuk 3 because Habakkuk is a, a prophet of God and he has seen the nation of Israel, his people, turn their backs against God and, and begin to worship idols. They had forgotten the word of God, the Torah. They were not following it. They weren't reading it. They were serving and worshiping idols. Um, they were uh, experiencing injustice. The poor were being uh, manipulated and abused. In fact, abuse was everywhere. Greed and violence was everywhere. Everywhere they turned, spiritual decline was uh, being uh, formed like never before. Times were desperate and fear reigned. And so, the prophet Habakkuk in chapter one, he prays this prayer. He says, how long, oh God, how long are you gonna wait until you step in and do something? How long am I gonna pray this prayer? Because he wanted his people to return to God. And for Habakkuk, he's like, it just doesn't feel like you're doing anything, God. I know you can do something, but it feels like you're not doing anything at all. And some of us, I think, have been there. We've kind of felt that pain. We've, we've been praying for something or we, we have, have wanted God to step in and do something in a situation. And it just kind of felt like God wasn't there. God wasn't doing what you thought he should be doing. And so, God, why aren't you stopping our country from murdering preborn babies? God, why aren't you stepping in and, and maybe giving us some better leaders to choose from? God, why aren't you stopping this progressive left movement that's, that's stealing and robbing and taking us in a direction that, that many people of faith uh, fear? God, why aren't you doing anything about COVID? Like we're over it, right? Like we're done. Come in, do something. I think we've all experienced that. And, 
And what Habakkuk experiences is something that maybe we might even experience as well. As he's praying and asking this question, God says, no, hold up, Habakkuk, I am doing something. And it's something that you're probably not gonna like. What I'm gonna do to answer this prayer is I'm gonna send the Babylonians to come and to conquer the people of God. They're gonna come in and they're gonna conquer Judah. And Habakkuk is like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not what I was praying for. I was praying for revival. I wasn't praying for disaster. I wasn't praying to be conquered. And God says, no, 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 this is, this is right, good, and fair. My people are going to experience my judgment because they have turned away from me. And I think when we look at the Bible, Christians today don't see a God of wrath. They don't see a God that punishes all we tend to wanna to see is all the lollipop and gumdrops that you know, God's love wants to bring into our life. And so we, th we think in terms of, well, God's not gonna punish sin, like he doesn't do that. But when we read the Bible, we see it time and time and time again. In chapter two, God says, listen to what I'm gonna say. Write this down. You've gotta learn to wait for me patiently and even in the midst of suffering and trial, in chapter two, verse four of Habakkuk, he says, the righteous must live by faith. In other words, when I answer your prayer in a way that you don't expect, in a way that is frustrating, in a way that might bring suffering into your life, you need to be ready to live by faith and trust me. So no matter what our prayer is for America, we want to be the people of God that trust in God no matter what happens. And we learn to live by faith in the midst of a really chaotic and crazy year, yes. And in chapter three of this book, we see this beautiful prayer. It's a beautiful song and, and uh, I want us to turn and I want us to look at it. I pray that it will encourage us today. So chapter three, verse one, hope you're there. Here we go. Verse one says that this is a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigionath. <laughs> That's a mouthful, right? Um, Shigionath essentially means that it's, it's a musical setting. So Habakkuk has, it's, it's probably titled in your Bible, um, a prayer of Habakkuk. But it was more than a prayer, it was really a song. And this word shigionath really kind of proves that. It's like, okay, this is a musical setting. It's a song that was to be sung by God's people. And, and, and here Habakkuk is, is, is writing essentially the lyrics for us. And some say that the prophet Will Smith came up with his song, get shiggy with it, based on this verse. I'm not sure, I, that's, a, that's a bad joke. <clears throat> But today, I wanna to show you three steps that we need to include in our prayer life um, as it relates to the election, but also uh, anytime in life when it feels like you know, your life has fallen apart, when you're facing some very uh, difficult times. And so, uh, first of all, let's read verse two. He says, oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. Oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So if you wanna take some notes today, the first step in our prayer life we need to remember this week is we've gotta actually remember what God has done in the past. 
Right, so we remember what God has done in our past. He says, God, I heard the report of you. I heard about your miracles. I remember uh, what my ancestors and prophets before me said about you. I've read about them. In chapter one, Habakkuk is saying, where are you, God? Right? But now he's kind of moving into this thing where he's like, okay, I remember what you have done. And uh, I don't know about you, but in my life, Time and time and time again, it has kind of come to me that where I feel like, man, maybe God isn't doing what I had hoped and wished and thought he should be doing. And it's helpful for me to remember this concept. It's helpful for us to remember that in times of chaos, in times of uncertainty and anxiety and fear, it's helpful for us to remember what God has done in our past. Um, but then he says, in the midst of revival, or in the midst of this year, sin, revive it. He says, in the midst of the year, revive it, right? Make it known, right? And so what, what a glorious reminder for us, like to remember that in the days previous, God has revived his people. God has time and time again come through for his people, He's not going to stop now. He rescued them. He's rescued us. Why in the world would we think that God is going to stop now? And man, what a great prayer for us to add to our prayer life. In the midst of a chaotic 2020, God, revive us. Revive the sleeping church. Revive the church that is not engaged in, in culture. Revive us, God, out of our slumber. The, the LGBT community, honestly, is just working harder than the Christian community, right? And so for us, we've gotta engage and we've gotta stop just focusing on uh, some of these, you know, uh, pleasures of the world and little league, you know, soccer and basketball and football and, and just, just stop thinking so much about ourselves and realize that what has, has happened in the past can happen again, but the way in which it happens is that God's people are motivated. They're motivated to serve in love, to share in love, to get engaged in the community, to get engaged in the politics of society. We cannot sleep any longer. We've gotta remember what God has done, and we've gotta remember that God always uses leaders. He uses people like you. He uses people uh, like Foothills Church. Um, in this passage, he uses the word kaya. Uh, kind of have to say it like you're kind of hawking up some you know, spit there. And uh, when you took karate class that one time at the YMCA, and you're like, kaya, that was kaya, right? And it means revive, restore, renew. And that's the same thing that we need today. We need to be restored and renewed. We need to be woke up, right? And this is his prayer, and I, I hope that it is part of our prayer as we remember what God has done for us in the past. And then in verses three through 12, I'm not gonna read all of these verses, but I wanna highlight a couple of things. He basically, in the song, now remembers all the things that God has done for the people of God. So in verse three, he talks about Taman, and he talks about Mount Paran, and this is where God spoke to Moses through the, the, the burning bush. And then this is the place where God brought the Israelites out of bondage after slavery when they left 
Egypt. This was a special place for them. And so he remembers that special place. He remembers what uh, God has done for them. And you know, when we remember what God has done for us, when we reflect on his goodness, when we reflect on his mercy and love, it builds our faith. He builds our faith when we think about it and when we remember it. And Habakkuk is saying, I remember God. I remember that you brought your people out of slavery, out of bondage, right? You, you split the Red Sea, we crossed on dry land and then you let the, the, the river then flood and kill the Egyptians. Like you, you were there, it, it, this is the place where we started over. He says, I remember this place, I remember what you did. God, you are good and you have done this in our past, of course, God, you're gonna step in time and time again and save us again. I think it's one of the reasons why in the New Testament we see Jesus telling us to take the Lord's Supper. Because when we take the Lord's Supper, we are remembering. In fact, Jesus said, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We take the bread, which represents the broken body of Jesus. We, we drink the juice, which, which represents the blood that Jesus spilled for our sin. And we remember. And when we remember, God builds our faith. In fact, you should have received um, a little uh, individual cup this morning when you walked in. If you didn't, uh, we'll, we'll help you get that. At the end of the service today, uh, we're gonna close our time together by taking uh, communion. Uh, so he continues in verse four through 12. He goes on to explain. He talks about the splendor and this light that God provided for them that, that filled the earth. And in the Exodus, God gave them a pillar of fire to light their path at night. He's, yes, referencing the splitting of the Red Sea. He's referencing the plagues that God uses uh, to defeat Egypt. He talks about this thunderstorm that shakes the mountain at Mount Sinai. And then he talks about how fear really crept into all the nations that surrounded them because of the work of God in their midst. This is reference of, of God splitting the Jordan so they could cross the Jordan River. And then when Joshua was in the battle, God allowed the sun to stand still so that they could defeat their enemies and have enough light to be able to do this. So the song reminds us that over and over again, time and time again, God has poured out his mercy and rescued you. You can trust him today because of what you are facing. And so we remember what God has done for us. Now, what are some practical ways to actually remember what God has done? And I would say number one, we sing worship songs. Remember, this is a worship song. And so when we sing worship songs uh, together, it is a reminder of God's love and his mercy for us. We sing these songs that champion the work and power of Jesus, how he conquered sin. He's given us life that nothing can separate us from the love of God. These songs are comforting. And honestly, this is why I'm so concerned with those who have been watching from home for the last eight months. I hope those who are in a condition physically would come back and worship together in this room with us. Why? Because as I looked around this room this morning, hands, hands are being raised, uh, tears are flowing, people praying for each other. I mean, there is power in the room when God's people unite in a song that remembers the power and love and grace of God. Amen? It is good. 
and it, it brings faith and it builds faith in our life. It is good to remember God by singing worship songs. Another practical way to remember what God has done is to write down your prayers, simply to journal. So when I write down the, the, my prayers, uh, then you know next year I can look back at 2020 and I can say, are you kidding me? That's what I was praying for? That's what's going on, you know? I can remember how God came through. I can remember how God answered prayer. And so I don't like, you know, I don't know about you, but I type everything now. So when I write like one sentence, my hand is tired. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. So I'm just writing bullet points. Here's what I'm praying for. Bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, right? And then I'll come back and say, you know, this is how God answered this. And here's how God is answering that. And it builds my faith and, and that helps my memory. And so that's a great way to write it down. All right, hop down now to verse 13. This is a powerful verse. He says this. He says, you went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. So this is a promise from Genesis chapter three. After sin enters the world, Adam and Eve sin, sin enters the world, then death enters the world as well. And this is a promise that God gives in Genesis 3. And, and here Habakkuk kind of clings to that promise, right? And he's saying, listen, uh, it's not always gonna be like this. There will come a day when the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Yes, the heel of the anointed one will be bruised. bruised. In other words, he'll have to suffer, but he will crush the head of the serpent. And so another way that we remember God's love for us is we actually Think about the gospel. We think about the gospel. One way that helps us think about the gospel is we read the word of God. And when we read the word, we're reminded that yes, God has conquered sin. Habakkuk is saying that this promise is that God will crush wickedness. It's a promise, yes, that we know today is and was fulfilled in the cross of Jesus. And no matter what evil nation comes against us, no matter what evil person comes against you, no matter what physical or emotional or material pain and suffering that you or I experience, we know that God ultimately will crush all wickedness. He will deliver you, he will deliver me. Why? Because he always has. What's the worst that could possibly happen to you? What's the worst that could possibly happen to me? Death? The promise of the word of God is to live is Christ. To die is what? Gain. And that's the worst? And the promise of God is that he is always, 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 time and time again, going to rescue you. He is saving you today. He will save you in the future. We remember that when we think about the gospel. And so we trust God today, no matter who wins the election. You can trust God today, no matter what circumstances it is that you're facing. So what do we do when we're anxious, when we're fearful? What do we do when we're uncertain, when we're worried? Things seem to be falling apart. You remember what God has done for you. And you do that by singing, by writing, and by thinking about the gospel. You do that, 
And you'll be amazed at how the power of God lifts your faith and encourages you and gives you um, a a positive mentality uh, about what God is doing in the world. All right, hop down to verse 16. He says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. Sounds like he's watching the news, right? (laughs) My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Why is his body trembling, lip quivering, leg trembling, quietly waiting for the day of trouble? Because the Babylonians are coming to conquer his country. So he is afraid and he is nervous. Some of us are afraid and nervous today about our country, right? And so what do we do? The second step in our prayer life needs to be simply this. You accept what God is doing and you wait for him to work. We have to accept what God is doing and we wait for him to work. Like he is fearful about the battle that is to come, right? He's experiencing this, but what do we do when fear grips us so tight? What happens? You know, sometimes we allow it to, you know, from from media and Things on social media just like grips us. We watch the news for 10 minutes and all of a sudden we're stressed out, right? Sometimes we do this to ourselves. Halloween was yesterday. Oh, I'm on Instagram. I saw a lot of you guys dressed up and we do this every, every year at this time. We watch scary movies, right? So I was flipping the other day, uh, where is yesterday? And uh, the movie Halloween came on. Uh, it was on one of, a, one of the network channels and so it was like, like the, the original Halloween, you know, like the old one, can't remember her name, but um, she, she, you watch that and I, I was immediately taken back to when I first saw it as a kid. That movie freaked me out. As a kid, when you watch that, I mean, it was freaky. And so I remember, you know, the moment after that movie hit me, it changed me. And so every time I was alone and the lights were turned off at home, parents were gone, nobody was there, every sound in the house was like amplified, right? Has that ever happened to you? You hear like a little creaking or the house suddenly you're like, whoa, what the? Jason? <laughs> now I have a gun carry permit, so <laughs> I live in Tennessee. <clears throat> Sometimes we do it to ourselves, that fear creeps into our life. But despite his fear, he says what? He says, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. In other words, he had to accept the reality that God was going to punish the nation of Israel. He was going to punish Judah. And so he had to accept that reality, but he also knew God was going to punish the Babylonians. And he also knew and trusted that God would redeem his people as well. So the phrase wait quietly is this Hebrew word that means to rest or to settle down and remain. It's the same word used in the 10 Commandments when God tells us to take a Sabbath and rest. It's the same idea when God was telling the people in the Exodus that you come to the promised land and you will find rest. 
It's, 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 it's off that mentality that when in the New Testament, now the new covenant, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, he says that now you can rest in the power and work of Jesus on the cross. You don't have to work for your salvation. You can't work for your salvation. We know that he's gonna take care of us, right? And so we can rest in him today. Listen, we, we're gonna find out eventually who wins this election. And we've gotta be able to accept reality. We've gotta accept what happens. And then we wait for God to work. We wait for the Lord to do what he's gonna do. We've gotta accept what he's doing. We may not like it. We may be uh, fearful of what the future holds, but we've gotta accept it and wait for him to work. Now, uh, we know he's gonna take care of us. We know no matter what happens in this election that Jesus is going to build his church. That's his promise. He's gonna continue to build his church. And he's gonna do that through you and I. And so we're reminded no matter what happens, the mission of the church is to love our neighbor and to make disciples. Your job doesn't change. Our mission doesn't change. Our hope is not shaken in who is elected this week. We still have a purpose and a mission to focus on. Now, if you're focused on side issues, you're gonna be rattled. But if you're focused on making a difference in the world and living and serving and worshiping God, you won't be shaken. Habakkuk knew that God was gonna punish the Babylonians and so he trusted in that. He trusted that God was in fact going to redeem the people of Israel. So think about this in your personal life. When the doctor gives you the terrible news, you've gotta accept it and wait for the Lord to do his work. When you don't get the job or when you lose a job, you've gotta accept what God is doing, but you can wait then for the work of God to come. That, that doesn't mean we don't pray for miracles, absolutely pray for miracles. It doesn't mean that you give up, of course not. We do our part, we do what we know we're supposed to do, but too many Christians just avoid reality. We avoid and pretend like nothing is happening. We put our head in the sand while our country moves in a very progressive left direction. We just pretend like thousands of preborn children are not being murdered. We pretend like redefining marriage isn't going to revolutionize and change our society. And while we go about our daily lives, all of these issues continue to happen. Other people are working much harder. What are we doing? Put our head in the sand. We don't want to accept what's happening. We just think a few rants and raids on Facebook, that'll, that'll show them, right? I got to go back to work and I've got to make money because I really want to go on vacation this year. Our focus has to change. We've got to be honest about our country we gotta stop pretending. Maybe personally, you've gotta stop pretending that your marriage isn't terrible. You gotta stop pretending. You gotta quit faking it. You, you might need, this might be the best thing you hear today, you might need as a married couple to accept what God is doing in your life. You know what he's doing? He's wrecking you. And the sooner that you can recognize that, hopefully the sooner you'll step in and actually do something about it. Can't tell you how many times the wheels have fallen off of the marriage, everything has crumbled, right? And then someone comes and asks for help. 
gosh, now we're in miracle territory. May God allow you to accept where you're at today and realize that it sucks. And may God give you the grace to do something about it. Accept it where you're at, but then wait for God to work. Do your part. Sometimes we think, man, I hear people around this area talk about California all the time. Like California, man, it's a crazy state. You know why California is the way California is? I heard someone say it this week and it, it blew my mind. It was like, it, was, it, was, it just kind of hit me. This guy said, California is where it is today because the church in California has been silent. And I think about how it's just a matter of time that what's happening there will happen in Tennessee and will happen all across the nation if we don't get our act together and if we don't start engaging and voicing our opinions, right? Voicing the faith in the word of God. Let's keep going. Hop down to verse 17. We'll close with this. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. See, the third step uh, that we need to add to our prayer life this week and anytime life feels like it's falling apart, trust what God is gonna do in the future. You remind yourself and you trust what God is gonna do in the future. In verse 17, he talks about the, the fig tree not blossoming. And if you know anything about fruit, you know that the fruit trees blossom and then out of the blossom, uh, then comes the fruit. And so now he is saying that there are no uh, blossoms. And so that means that there aren't gonna be any, any figs. There, there, there won't be any grapes on the vine. And so that's a reference of things that you're trusting in the future. Things that we trust that are gonna happen in the future. So we, we hope upon them. And what he's saying is there, there, there's no sign of hope in the future. There's no hope because there, there are no blossoms on the trees. We know there won't be any fruit to come. There are no visible signs. And so maybe for you and I, you know, we've been praying for something. We've been hoping for something to happen. But there, no, there are no visible signs that it's gonna happen. That can be hopeless, can it? When there are no visible signs, have you ever kind of got to the point to where you're saying, I'm making a decision, I'm doing something, and you're like, God, can you show me a sign? Show me something. Am I doing the right thing? You know, show something in the clouds. Can I hear a song? We're looking for a sign. This is where Habakkuk is at. He's, he's, he's saying to us today, even if you have nothing to hold on to in the future, you can hold on to God. Even if there's no sign that things are gonna get better, you can hold on to God. He says, I will trust in God. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Then he says, the produce of the olive tree uh, fails. And so this might be what, you're, what you've trusted in um, in the past. Things that you've gone to that have always kind of been there for you in your past. And he says, look, now they aren't working. The blossom is this idea of things that are to come. The produce of the olive tree is something maybe that you've always counted on but you're realizing that what you have always counted on is failing you. 
Maybe you've been there. Maybe it's this idea that the business that you've worked for for so long, COVID hit, and now what you've been trusting in for so long is not there. Maybe you've invested into the stock market and you've lost a lot lately. Maybe you've invested years into a relationship, but it's breaking down and now you have nothing. Like, what do you do when everything you've counted on in your past to sustain you to produce today is not there and you're disappointed? Habakkuk says, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. He strengthens me and he puts me on high places. He says, well, the sheep are gone. There's no cattle in the stalls. And so this might be what you're trusting in today. This is old faithful, right? Okay, the fruit's not coming in. We're not gonna have a harvest this week. Well, we've got the cattle, they're in the stalls, the good old faithful cattle, we can eat them and they'll take care of us. What's old faithful for you? Habakkuk says there, there, are, there are no cattle in the stalls. What's that thing in your life that's old faithful that every time you get stressed, anxious, worried, something difficult happens, you run right to it. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's alcohol or prescription drugs or, or a friend, but you run to these things. That's old faithful for you. It might be money, but now maybe money is not as, is not as uh, the bank account is not as full as it used to be. It's family. Maybe they're not coming through for you. Maybe it's your health, but now your health isn't coming through for you like it used to. What is old faithful to you? What do you do when what you've always leaned on is no longer there? Habakkuk says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation. It is he who puts me on high places. It's easy to become complacent in an American culture when there's plenty of meat at the grocery store and toilet paper and our health is good and there's no pandemic and you know the guy we elect uh, or, or the guy we vote for gets elected. But the question is, do we really trust God? Are we really trusting in God? You know, as we look at the year 2020, is it teaching you anything yet? Are you getting any lessons out of 2020? Is it potentially that you've been trusting in the wrong things? You've been trusting in things in the past and now they're not coming through. You've been trusting in things in the present and now they're not coming through. You've been trusting in things that you've been hoping for and they're not coming to fruition. You guys wanna take a test? Here's a good test. Be honest, just be gut level honest. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to, to, to talk about it with anybody right now. Just answer this question. Which statement makes you feel more secure today? Which statement? I'm gonna make two statements. Which one makes you feel more secure? Statement one, Donald Trump is elected president. Statement two, God promises to take care of every need you have in your life. You see, I think for too many Christians in America, that first statement is what we lean on. It doesn't matter who's elected. We already have a promise. And it is that a, a, a living and active God who died on the cross for your sins has promised to take care of you no matter what happens in your life. 
I wonder which one of these statements would be more security filling. Which one gives you more security today? That, that you would have a million dollars in the bank. It's a good one. Does that give you more security? Or that there is a God who has promised to supply all of your material needs from today moving forward for the rest of your life. Which one gives you more security? See, we've already got the promise from God, but too many of us lean into this, this tangible idea that money is going to solve my problems. Habakkuk says there's no visible signs that this is gonna get any better. My past has failed me. I don't have much hope in the future. There's no blossom on the tree. What I'm trusting in today is failing me. And yet he says, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. It is God who strengthens me and he puts me on high places. Verse 19, Habakkuk says, I'm gonna rejoice because the Lord is my strength. He puts me on these high places. I wonder if this is a prayer that you would say today that you could make your own prayer and that maybe for you, you would say, my marriage is falling apart and yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. It is he that strengthens me. He puts me on high places. My children that I have raised are going off the deep end. I raised them better. They should know better. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. He strengthens me. He puts me on high places. We are facing a pandemic. Some of you haven't left your house in eight months. How are we gonna live? What's gonna happen if, if this president or that president is elected? I will rejoice in the Lord my God. He strengthens me. He puts me on high places. Listen, no matter what circumstances you face, no matter who is elected this week, the answer to the question, can we trust God no matter what, is a resounding yes. But the real question that you and I have to wrestle is this, will you trust God no matter what? Or I might do it like this, will you trust God no matter what? I think that's where we're at today. That's where we land. That's where we need to trust God no matter what uh, happens. And as we face so much division in our culture and so many challenges right now, even in the church with different opinions, the one thing that Jesus prayed for the night of his arrest was that his church would be united. And one of the ways that we are reminded of this unification is the Lord's Supper. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.